0: God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited.
1: Listen now.
2: Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.
1: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers.
2: A woman goes to the doctor, says she's exhausted, drained. Life is a cavalcade of events that constantly fluctuate between being terrific, horrific, and soul-crushingly dull. The doctor says, I have the cure. Why don't you listen to the gargle, the glossy, fun-day, sunshine, fun-shine companion to the bugle, all of the news, none of the politics, with your host, Alice Fraser. The woman says, but doctor, I am Alice Fraser, and you're listening to the gargle, the glossy lifestyle lift-out supplement to the bugle, all of the news, none of the politics. Your guest hosts for today are Tom Neenan and Sarah Keyworth. Hello. Hello. Hello.
0: Please get a new doctor.
2: <laughs> Are you ready to uh, edit this magazine with
0: me? Yes, I am. I've never edited anything before. I'm being too polite, and I'm, uh, I'm letting. T- I'm waiting for Tom to speak first, and then there's just an awkward pause. Because we're both doing that thing, like when you stand either side of a door, and you're like, No, 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 you, no please, you, yeah. you, and then yeah. So that it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a fun one, but I'm not. will I'll I'll, I'll hold back like half the time if that's helpful. Okay, I'll hold back all of the time.
2: What about neither of you hold back? (laughs) Neither of you hold back, both go through the door. The audio gate is wide enough for both of you. You've invited two of the most polite British boys you could possibly find.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nobody's going to say a word in this pocket. You're going to sit there enjoying it, it's all going to (laughs) be... I
2: think it's called a gaggle of Hugh Grant.
0: Good, possibly.
3: A cardigan of Colin
2: Firth. (laughs) Before we plunge into the body of the magazine, let's first have a look at the front cover. Today's front cover is a photograph of an elbow with the headline, Remember When These Were Erotic? The full feature on page 42 is just the word, No, in enormous letters. Today's political cartoon originally appeared in the Hull Echo, not a paper from the British town of Hull, just an online forum devoted to perverts who climb into shipwrecks and lust for the screams of the drowned. Uh, The political cartoon this week is of two Italian men. You can tell they're Italian because a dash and a ah have been put at the end of every word they're saying, and they're standing in front of two cars parked next to each other. One car is labelled UK government lockdown parties. The other says Russian troops on Ukrainian border. The tyre on one of the cars has no air in it. So one of the Italian men is saying, hey, this satire is a flat. Uh, The fact that they're Italian has nothing to do with anything other than making the satire pun work, and the entire thing seems to be a cry for help. That is the satirical cartoon for this week. Now it's time for your top story segment of this week's magazine, and it's a film segment. Our magazine, as always, is very cultured, and this, therefore, is about Fight Club. Sarah Keyworth, uh, you're a good boy. Can you explain this story about Fight Club?
3: I will explain the story uh, because you've asked me to, but I think we all know that we shouldn't really be talking about this. Um... LAUGHTER
2: Not not because that's not a joke from the film. That's a joke from this story, which is about how China has censored Fight Club. Just to clarify, you're not quoting the film's rules here. You're quoting the actual body of this story.
3: I'm quoting both. I'm quoting both. This is a very meta joke. This is two things at the same time. This is a censorship joke and a Fight Club joke at the same time. And they're just just making (laughs) out. Are you suggesting they're the same joke? They are the same. It's the same thing. (laughs) <laughs> this, is, this is why this, this whole thing is so ridiculous is that China have essentially said the first rule of Fight Club is that you're not allowed to talk about Fight Club, but you can watch <laughs> most of Fight Club. You can watch almost all of it apart from the end. They've altered the ending so that if you stream it in China rather than the original ending. Um, and then I'm going to say here, spoiler alert and then pause so that if anybody wants to skip this, <laughs> though, if you haven't seen Fight Club, what have you been doing? Are you a toddler? How are you listening to a podcast? So the original ending in which Tyler's plan to take down modern civilization beginning, you see it starting. uh, Instead, it cuts to a black screen with text that reads, uh, Through the clue provided by Tyler, the police rapidly figured out the whole plan and arrested all (laughs) criminals, successfully (laughs) preventing the bomb from exploding. This is my favorite bit coming up. After the trial, Tyler was sent to a lunatic asylum, receiving psychiatric treatment. He was discharged from hospital in 2012. That's my favourite detail of the whole thing, as if people in China are like, hold on a minute, is he still there? (laughs) (laughs) This is completely absurd in every single way, but I also kind of love it because it's just the most nonsensical, like surely it would have been less offensive to just ban the whole film. (laughs) To just be like, you can't watch this, it's too much for you. Also, having said that and having had a go at people who might be upset about spoilers, I've never seen Fight Club. That's the big twist here. That is a twist. I've never seen it.
2: I also, You've not I've seen also it? never seen Fight uh, Club. Yeah, it's, a, it's such a cult classic and it is so beloved of young men who clearly don't realise that it's satire that mm. I have written probably in the realm of tens of jokes about Fight Club and I Having never seen have it. never seen it.
3: But this is the thing. Wow. Like I, I've made assumptions about what Fight Club is about so much that I've been like, I don't think I need to see that. I've now read loads about Fight Club, and I'm like, maybe this is
0: more interesting than I thought. By the way, <laughs> on my screen now it just says Alice and Sarah ended the Zoom call and went to and went to watch Fight Club like, as an ending. <laughs>
3: they were released in 2012.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> I had one reference point in my head, so now I think the whole thing sounds completely bonkers. I've recently found out that the character of Tyler is. Imaginary, so it seems like the Chinese authorities also haven't seen Fight Club. <laughs> <laughs> so what they could have just written is Tyler was awoken by a prince
0: with true love's kiss, <laughs> and they all lived happily ever after. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen Fight Club, Tom? I have seen Fight Club. I used to do poetry when I did uh, sort of did live stuff, and uh, my first joke was a little limerick that went: uh, "The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Fight Club, Fight Club, Fight Club, Fight Club." Fight Club. Oh no, I'm banned from Fight Club. It was uh, <laughs> always a winner. But um I have seen it because I was sort of a, a, a I was around the age that when it was released I thought it was so cool. And then um you sort of just realize that a bit of a bit of jaded nihilism and uh, and some some violence is basically what every boy thought was cool around that time. But yeah, I I you know, I'm, I I want to watch I want to live in a world where um China do that to all the films. Like, I'm pretty sure if you watch Up in China, it is three minutes long and about a couple who are trying for a baby. Um, (laughs) And yeah, I think that sounds sounds very nice indeed. Basically, what China does to films is like that bit at the end of Muppet's Christmas Carol where Gonzo says, uh, "Tiny Tim, who did not die," (laughs) and I'm like, I quite like that. I like the fact that they they put a positive spin on it. But um, but yeah, I I I have seen it. And I, I, I concur with you guys. I think it's, I think it's fine. Yeah, I, I wasn't that bowled over.
2: It's not the only other film that has been redacted like this uh, by the Chinese government. Other great redactedness highlights include the five-minute version of The Wizard of Oz, where Dorothy is arrested for dangerous driving right off the House Lands on the Wicked Witch, <laughs> and Squid Game, which shows a bunch of kids playing a Korean children's game, then cuts to a caption saying, that's all it is, what was all the fuss about? No further questions. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think the best thing to come out of this was that Sarah made a censorship joke within a Fight Club joke, and thus made it also an Inception joke. So that is that is mind blowing. More mind blowing than the twist.
3: That's the smartest thing I've ever done without really realizing I'm doing it about a <laughs> film that I've never seen. So no, good. And making it about another film that
0: I've never seen. <laughs> <laughs> All I've learned from this is that I need to watch more films. Definitely. Although Chuck, you've had a few spoiled for you now. I'll chuck in one more spoiler. Um, it turns out that Bruce Willis is dead um, at the end of. Armageddon. <laughs> Sorry to spoil that for everyone, but...
3: I like the idea of a of a of a sort of a governing body just putting at the end of every single film, regardless of what it is. Just just a little flash up that says the government
0: won. Don't ask how. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to know. <laughs> Their version of V for Vendetta is very strange
2: your ad section now because you can't be what you can't buy. Are you tired of people agreeing with you? Do you feel left out in conversation? Do you have a deep need to feel clever? Try devil's advocate, the contraceptive for your entire personality. And if you've accomplished something in your life, try moving back in with your parents. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Moving Back In With Your Parents. Years of personal development will vanish in an instant as issues you all thought you'd moved out of and on from turn out to have moved back in with you. Moving Back In With Your Parents, all the insecurities of childhood with the terrors and vastly more hurtful emotional vocabulary of adulthood from the people who brought you, you.
3: (laughs) That one stung.
2: (laughs) And this episode of the podcast is brought to you by the end of the universe. If it ends with a bang and nobody's whimpering, I'm just going to say, sorry, you're bad at banging. (laughs) And sometimes when I'm out at a bar, I'll encounter people playing devil's advocate on their phone instead of engaging with the people whose faces are literally right there in front of me. And that's when I reach for half a glass of water, half a glass of water. It's literally a measured response. Now it's time for your NFT section, our classic NFT segment. Not as always in this, in this uh, magazine, but sometimes uh, something's part of the zeitgeist and NFTs return and return and return until they become almost entirely worthless, except for our continuing uh, to uh, impress people with the idea that they are worth a lot. Rev up your cynicism. Lamborghini has entered the world of NFTs. Uh, Tom Neenan, you, you look like you're wearing a wealthy jumper. Uh, <laughs> tell us about this story.
0: My jumper is wealthy. I am not. Yeah, thank goodness. the the people's The people's car manufacturers, Lamborghini, yeah. has stepped <laughs> into the world of NFTs. Basically, what they're offering is a thing called a space key, uh, which, from what I understand, it is a piece of carbon or something which is sort of frozen in a big block. And um, on that, uh, no, that has been to space. So, well done. If you've bought that, you've bought something which has been to space, like all debris. Um, and that has on the back of it a barcode. And if you scan that barcode, it takes you to a, a special artist's work that's sort of space-themed as well. So um, so I think that's well worth the money. I'm excited because <laughs> I actually um, I have a Lamborghini. Um, I don't have a Lamborghini. I have a, sort of a, a link to um, an online <laughs> receipt for a picture of a Lamborghini. I don't have that. I just uh, basically, I, I, I don't, I don't get this story. NFTs are a bit like hedge funds. Like rich people have them, and I literally don't understand what they are. By all means, if you have the money, you can buy a piece of carbon which has been to space with a QR code on the side, or just a big neon sign that says "I've got too much money, please help me." Why do NFTs? A lot of them are like, a lot of them are monkeys, aren't they? I saw Paris Hilton and Jimmy Fallon with their <laughs> monkeys, which picks up. Which is why don't just get a monkey? Like, it's a talking point. <laughs> There's strong butler potential, and also when you buy a monkey, you get a monkey, whereas when you get an NFT, you buy a an online receipt on a database of an image that you sort of own?
2: Yes, you own the link to a particular copy of a terrible JPEG. Yeah. And the, the whole thing about these NFTs is that they are not always, but way too often they're uh, an extremely openly obvious Ponzi scheme that's being run by people with the aesthetic sense of a fungal toenail and the morals of the fungus itself. <laughs> I, I like this story because unlike most uh, NFTs and in fact in opposition to the very idea of NFTs you get a physical object mm. with this NFT which is which is nice and also the idea that it's it's been to space. I, I don't want to burst this bubble and I'm not talking about the NFT bubble, but uh, everything has been in space. We are all in space. The <laughs> Earth is in space. Yes. That's <laughs> we're all in space right now. It's not special.
3: Yeah. It took me a long time to get my head around what on earth this is <laughs> uh, I've come to the conclusion I'd rather have a car
0: <laughs> good choice very good choice
3: I'm so confused by the whole thing so Lamborghini have sent this this bit of carbon fiber up into space and then it's got a QR code on it and then they're selling it off as an NFT which proves ownership of an exclusive bit of artwork which I think is probably the biggest fuck you in history to people living in poverty <laughs> this is the most pointless thing I've heard anybody do. Also, surely I know you're saying that everything is in space and it's not impressive that it's been in space. But I think I think the thing that's been in space is cooler than a drawing from someone we don't even know. <laughs> this doesn't make any. This makes no sense. There's, there's there's like hiding your child's artwork under a pile of diamonds.
2: What? I don't... <laughs> This reminds me, and I this is just I've just remembered this this uh, when my brother, my twin brother, whom I love very much, convinced me to buy him a bunch, and I mean a bunch, and I mean like half of my savings worth of Magic the Gathering cards because they would quote unquote accrue value, wow. uh and then promptly forgot about them for 15 years uh, until uh, you know which was fine. I had also forgotten about them, but then he encountered a young person who was into Magic the Gathering, and then just gave him all the cards. And I was like, oh. okay, fine, but that was like my life savings. <laughs> <laughs> There's no joke here. I'm just really angry about it.
3: My brother did a similar thing once where he convinced me to put two marbles in each of my cheeks because he thought it, this would have uh, humor value. <laughs> and then he took both his hands and slapped both of my <gasps> cheeks. Uh, and I lost teeth so oh uh, maybe the moral of this is that brothers are trash <laughs> and, uh, and nothing is real how many teeth and how much are they worth and can we buy them <laughs> two baby teeth <laughs> my favorite thing about this whole story is that uh, no matter what happens and no matter how ridiculous and expensive things get you can't escape a qr code <laughs> nothing trumps a qr code
2: Now, in an inevitable chain of uh, association in my brain, I've remembered another family story, which is maybe too revealing, but my grandmother uh, had all of her children's baby teeth set in a gold charm bracelet. Uh, All of her three children's baby teeth set in the same jingle jangly (laughs) horror show of a real gold gold. bracelet. Real gold. Yep. Real gold bracelet. That's really tricky, isn't (laughs) it? A lot of teeth.
3: That's really so, tricky <laughs> isn't it because like somebody sometime will come to buy that and be like it is real gold but it is also full of children's teeth yeah. so
2: all, how much, how much do I want
3: the gold and how little do I want the teeth. It does <laughs> save wins? you
2: biting the gold to see if it's real.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's kind of analogous to this because it's something which is undeniably valuable yet you can't shake the feeling it's quite creepy at the same time like that's yeah. the same as his Lamborghini NFT in a way. Yeah.
3: What the the best outcome for this whole thing is that you scan the QR code on this bit of space, uh, like carbon fiber, Mm -hmm. and uh, then you immediately get sent your grandmother's gold (laughs) teeth (laughs) necklace.
2: That's all the time we have for our NFT news because now it's more tech news. A tech uprising. Uh, fans of Terminator will be delighted to know that Judgment Day has arrived, but the machines aren't turning on humans. They're trying to get away from us. A Roomba has escaped from a travel lodge. <laughs> uh, it's broke, broken free of its cut-price hotel prison and gone on a very British rampage. Sarah Keyworth, you're you're very um, clean <laughs> looking. <laughs> That's a lie. Would you like to unpack this
3: story for us? So, this is a robot that is a a robot Hoover that uh, failed to recognize the boundary of the door of a travel lodge in Cambridge, (laughs) left the hotel, and was found later on. Uh, under a hedge uh the thing that upsets me most about this story is that everybody quoted in the article is talking about the robot like it's a like it's a it's a, a sort of sentient being that went on an adventure uh, <laughs> they're sort of talking about it like it deliberately dawned out of the door uh when in reality this to me sounds like a it's a manufacturing issue it's a that's a broken hoover <laughs> 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 this is what these these people want you to think they want you to think that it's not their fault the robot just decided to leave but in a- actuality the senses are broken and you deserve uh, your money back
2: <laughs> yeah social media was cheering the little uh, rug muncher along it was delighted uh, when it escaped into the real world as absolute absence of natural predators uh, though eventually, I assume it would starve to death for lack of electricity. So that's a sad story if you've again <laughs> imbued this yeah. non-sentient object with sentience and life. Uh, Tom, do you have a Roomba?
0: I don't. No, I, I got sorry. I got very confused because I think I read the Chinese version of this story, which just said that the Roomba left the hotel and was immediately arrested. Um, <laughs> was released in 2012. No, uh, yeah, I, do, I don't have a, a Roomba because I, I, I am genuinely quite scared of them. Something knowing the ins and outs of my house. Better than I do. I'll be honest. Uh, So, so yeah, I I think it's terrifying.
2: What you've never sucked dust out of the corner of your room with your mouth?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that intimately, you see, and that's what (laughs) scares. No, I think we're fine at the minute. I think it's just when the Roomba and the the trouser press start collaborating that we should uh, we actually start worrying. It's just that you know some some machines are cleverer than others, and this one obviously it went to Cambridge, so that's good. Um, and so you know obviously it's going to have a head start on the others but uh, but no i think i think it's exciting it's like a little um rookie cop who just wanted to get out there and clean up the streets and i, I respect that
3: i don't know it was found under a hedge so i assume it was just waiting to suck someone off
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh, it's life in the city went downhill very quickly didn't <laughs> i've got to get <laughs> some electricity somehow
2: i was going to say this is the worst gritty reboot of et <laughs> <laughs> clean home but now you've made it dirty so i'm going to retract that line
3: <laughs> i also just think that it's worth saying for anybody outside of the uk it is a real measure of how nice cambridge is that this is headline news <laughs> <laughs> stay in your homes there is a hoover on the loose <laughs> most people who live in cambridge never actually see the hoovers that clean their houses <laughs>
2: Well, that's all the time we have for our tech uprising news because now it's time for your reviews. As you know, each week, our guest editors bring in something to review out of five stars. Uh, Tom Neenan, what have you brought in for us to review today?
0: My one's quite current. Uh, I would like to review the daily online word game, Wordle. Mm -hmm. If you, like everyone else who's sort of on the internet has been been enjoying Wordle, then this is my review for you. At first, I was sceptical about Wordle. I gave it zero stars. Then I saw a few people posting about it. I started to enjoy it So I gave it two stars, but those two stars were in the wrong place. So then I had to find (laughs) sort of another place to put those stars and add some new stars in and I started getting into it. So then I gave it uh, four stars. And by that point, I thought it's fairly obvious what the word's gonna be. And so finally, I'm gonna uh, end up giving it five stars for Wordle and the word is stars, five stars, stars for Wordle. Thank
2: you. <laughs> Very nice, Tom Nina. Nice. <laughs> uh, well, this is This is our week for like, uh, recursive jokes that show off the cleverness <laughs> yeah, exactly. of the joke teller without necessarily being um, as hilarious as we think they are. Much in the way <laughs> of posting right. your Wordle score is, is satisfying only to you. Uh, you might in, in, induce, at best, jealousy, at worst, contempt. <laughs> Sarah Keyworth, what have you brought into review?
3: today i will be reviewing the star rating system (laughs) Uh, so the star rating system is a classic system of rating usually used for creative endeavors performances films albums it's essentially a camped up version of give it a number out of five because creative professionals hate numbers but love shiny shiny stars The premise of the system seems like it would work with five stars being the best and one star being the worst but recent critics have butchered the form of late by awarding half stars which completely undermines the concept. There's no such thing as a half star it's just a smaller star.
0: <laughs>
3: the closest thing we could actually get to a half star would be a fragment of a star as it explodes in its moments of death and so when someone gives a show a three and a half star review, what you're actually saying it's three stars with a bit of a star corpse. even more upsetting is that some publications have moved into a 10 star rating system which means the whole thing is a sham for instance a film called jonah a veggie tales movie which is about singing (laughs) vegetables that encounter some car trouble and get stranded at an old rundown seafood joint has had six and a half stars which is actually two and a bit stars Higher than my 2019 Edinburgh show. <laughs> Overall, I give the star rating system the number two out of the number five.
2: <laughs> and that's all the time we have for our reviews section. I think that might have been our best reviews section since Alison Spittle reviewed chewing on batteries. <laughs> 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 now it's time for your sexy chocolate slavery section. In light of recent accusations slash. Uh, court cases about child slavery, M&M's has diverted people's attention to the culture wars by rebranding their sexy M&M characters to be non-gender specific M&M characters, specifically the green uh, M&M lady now is a green M&M person who wears sneakers instead of high heels. Sarah Keyworth, how do you feel about that?
3: I think this whole thing is is so amazing. Essentially what's happened is for years and years, the green M&M has lived, I'm using the pronoun her because I think that is, is how she she has previously identified. Uh, I don't think the green m M&M m has, has vocalised any actual desire to uh, change her pronouns, but they've sort of been changed for her. Um, and it would be it'd be nice to actually get her point of view on this. But she she, she essentially she wore go-go boots, uh, big high heels, <laughs> and and she uh, and she was very free with her sexuality. Um, and Mars Wrigley, the company who make M and M's, have decided to rebrand uh, to make her uh, less sexy because uh, pr- they presumably thought that this was offensive to women who are made of. Uh, chocolate with a, with, a, <laughs> with a green casing of sugar around them
2: I mean the real question is whether she identifies as being a product of child slavery
3: this is true this is true actually and whether or not she'd like to keep the go-go boots as mm. they are sort of a lasting memory of the childhood she was robbed from <laughs> I think the whole thing is, is very misguided because it sort of suggests that it's, it's a feminist to to put all of the women who like wearing heels and sneakers so that they stop being filthy filthy sluts as opposed to just celebrating the green m M&M for the filthy filthy slut that she is
0: <laughs> it's a depressing trend isn't it like food like the the de-sexifying of food mascots uh, if you if you actually it's a long rich history because people forget that like Frosties, you know Tony the Tiger on the packet used to have a huge penis, and mm. he used to shout "There, horny!" Um, that was <laughs> what he used to. And then obviously Snap Crackle and f- renamed themselves. <laughs> f-
3: retired, didn't he? He
0: really, yeah.
3: <laughs> and they had to get popping.
0: <laughs> exactly, too long at the game, and he was like, "No, gotta gotta tap out here." Yeah, and um, obviously Colonel Sanders just used to have the middle name Shag. Shag Colonel Shag Sanders. And I miss him, I miss him for that. So yeah, no, I think it's just a shame. You know, it's just a shame that more and more food mascots are losing their sex, but I'm worried next that they're gonna come for the caramel, the Cadbury's Caramel Bunny, which obviously is the sexiest of all the mascots, voiced by Miriam Margulies, obviously. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if you had that in uh, in Australia, but over here, a lot of, lot of people had their sort of first, first uh, intimate rumblings to um, a rabbit trying to sell them chocolate.
3: Yeah, but there was there was a real sort of spate of people trying to f- rabbits after it so <laughs> this is why they this is why they're changing the legislation on sexy junk food brands so <laughs> in hindsight, people Take it too seriously and
0: Yeah, it's yeah. probably a wise thing actually, yeah. Here it
2: was ca- caramella koala. And yes, he did have a creamy caramello voice. But also, just as a general um, public service announcement to all the listeners of this audio magazine, chocolate and sex is not as sexy as it tries to make itself sound. It's a recipe for a yeast infection, is what it is.
0: (laughs) Yeah, chocolate and sex, it's like combining two things that are good does not make something doubly good. You know, like getting drunk at a swimming pool. You know, it's two fun things, but together it doesn't make for any, any fun at all. <laughs> so there was a side here like everyone was going. After this, we're all going to go and get drunk at a swimming pool. What the hell are you talking yeah.
3: about? And then we're going to cover ourselves in chocolate and have sex.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Fair
3: enough. I disagree with. I, I've never been more offended on a podcast in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and also, what's the problem with yeast infections? <laughs> <Okay>? <laughs> Leave yeast infections alive.
0: <laughs> Finally, someone speaking up for them. The new Eminem mascot is a yeast infection. <laughs>
2: Also, another PSA from the magazine, don't leave yeast infections alone. Do treat them (laughs) as soon as possible. Yeah,
3: treat them with kindness.
2: (laughs) Now it's time for your death section, death and fraud. If you were going to commit a crime and you had to enact the plot of a popular old comedy, you could probably do better than what two would-be fraudsters in Ireland did this week, which was go for a mostly live-action remake of Weekend at Bernie's. I say mostly live-action because Weekend at Bernie's <laughs> is famously the movie about taking a dead guy and using him as a puppet to fool people into thinking he's alive. Uh, but in that movie, the person was actually alive and not actually dead as in this instance. Tom Neenan, can you unpack this story for us?
0: I'll unpack it uh, and then I will scarper when uh, I get found out that I shouldn't have been doing that. Yes, it's it's in Ireland, right? That's where we're, that's where we're headed for this story. Um, uh, what an exciting time because, um, yes, so apparently this guy, uh, you've given this to me, I so now I have to struggle with some beautiful, I'm sure, Irish names that don't always match up to how they're spelt uh, in terms of pronunciation. So it's Declan Horney. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm... he used to be the brand mascot for uh, Rolos. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go with that. Let's go with Declan Horny. I mean, you've
2: got to forgive him for a crime. Every time he's applied for a job in the past, people have rejected him for assuming it was a prank call.
0: <laughs> exactly. And he's there shouting at them, I'm horny, horny, <laughs> horny, horny. <laughs> um, it's a very popular track in the UK. Uh, anyway, he took an older man who called, now this is Pader Doyle. Is it Pader? Uh, which sounds a bit like uh, in Family Guy, you know, whenever uh, Lois is like, "Oh, um, <laughs> her. I don't think that's how it's pronounced. Anyway, on a on a five-minute walk to uh, the the post office, and according to him, uh, and I have seen no reason not to believe him, the man he was uh, carrying passed away on on the way there, and then when he tried to withdraw his uh, his pension, um, was it was discovered that the man in fact was deceased, and then he um, he ran away. Apparently he had been dragged he started dragging his heels, which I think is an understatement on the way to the post office <laughs> and then he sort of went very limp when they tried to when they tried to get out he said um, apparently people the, the, the person who was serving at the post office sort of suspected that something was off uh probably from the smell but it turned out that yeah that this 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 heist uh, that happened uh, that they took you know they think was foul play was was by trying to animate the corpse of a man who was who was already dead. I like this story. I think it's quite heartwarming. (laughs) (laughs) You worry, like, oh, will people remember me after I'm dead? And it's like, not only did they remember him, they took him out for a walk and (laughs) tried to get his money. And I think that's lovely. And I'd like to hear anyone argue otherwise.
3: I, yeah, I agree with you. I also love this story. <laughs> yeah. I think it's great. I think it's fantastic. I think it's the most Irish story I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> uh, it absolutely reeks of, why waste a good pension? you know? Because <laughs> <laughs> I read that one of the guys went to the post office, asked for the pension, and they were like, listen, we can't give it to you unless the pensioner is here. And to be fair to him, they didn't specify the pensioner must be here <laughs> And alive. <laughs> so he, following their rules that they made, went and got the pensioner, and then suddenly he's doing something wrong.
0: <laughs> PC gone mad. It's
3: absolutely ridiculous. I also love, there's a quote from a woman who lives beside the post office... Uh, and she said that her daughter saw the two men carrying the deceased man into the building, and she's quoted as saying she was leaving my house at the time and said the man looked unwell as his feet were dragging along the ground. That's the most polite way of putting it, isn't it? She's just like he did look he did look a bit peaky. I wouldn't like to say that he looked dead. He 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 just looked a, he looked a bit unwell. I don't I don't want really to read. <laughs> I mean dad is too far
0: yeah 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 yeah
2: that's the that's the kind of uh that's the kind of compliment you get when you put on weight and uh some girl from an all girls high school says you look healthy you look so healthy <laughs> gosh yeah it's um it's a wonder it's a wonderful story it's an up- yeah. yeah it's a fantastic
3: it's show. it's
0: about you know it's being inventive it's um it's giving someone like one f- yeah one final um outing as well yeah
2: can I also just say? You know, it's not polite to assume somebody is pregnant, right? It's not polite to sort of assume they're pregnant if they seem to have put on weight, particularly if they seem to have put on weight around the middle. But if you are eight and a half months pregnant, or in Mm. my case, nine and a half months pregnant, uh, and somebody meets you Mm. who hasn't seen you for a little while, and they assume that you're not pregnant... That is equally insulting.
3: <laughs> yeah, that is. I thought you were going to say it's really rude to assume someone's pregnant. And I can see here that it's also really rude to assume someone's dead. So
2: yeah. that's, just being that's what I mean. Nice. Just maintain eye contact, um, even yeah. if their eyes are slowly drying yeah. out.
0: Wait for them to tell you that they're dead. <laughs> Definitely. They have to, <laughs> to proffer that information. It can't be something you, you bring to the table. Just the etiquette. It's just that you know these people need to learn.
2: Just because they're not drinking at a party or breathing or talking.
0: I want to know what the rest of his day was. Did he like go to a fun fair? <laughs> they left him at the post office. So presumably he was
3: just sort of sorted into a parcel and sent off to the nearest town. <laughs> <laughs> Next day delivery to heaven. I like that they're also launching an investigation, as if there's any sort of more to it. To be fair. <laughs> I can tell you that it was the two men that brought him in.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and also given that it's Ireland, the land where people like to tell stories, it's less of an investigation and more of a, I imagine, a comedy festival. (laughs) Everyone coming in and doing their one hour of bits Mm -hmm. on this particular instance of horrifying social security malfeasance. (laughs) And that's all the time we have for this show right now. Let's flip through the ads at the end of the of the magazine. Uh, here we have an ad for shooting yourself into space. Uh, it's just a picture of a of a person strapped to a rocket, and uh, the byline reads, "Did you fart so loud in a Zoom meeting that the speaker view highlight switched to your screen?" Question <laughs> mark. Um. So that's uh, that's firing yourself into space. Sarah, have you got anything to plug?
3: Yes, I do. I'm doing various work in progress shows in uh, the UK. Unfortunately, this year uh, I'd like to go further afield. But I'm actually just a really good person, and I'm I'm not risking it yet. So <laughs> f- you all. <laughs> but if you just follow me on social media, then I will post about where I'm going to be doing shows. Uh, thank you very much.
2: And I'd like to thank our roving reporters, Amir, who sent in the Fight Club story, Gadget Gab, who sent in the Lamborghini story, Bella Hahn and Amy Drawn's portraits, who sent in the Robot Vacuum story, and John Penny, who sent in the Weekend at Bernie's story. Uh, That is delightful. If you would like to be a roving reporter, tweet us at HelloGarglers on Twitter, and one of your stories may make it to this illustrious publication. Tom Neenan, have you got anything to plug?
0: I'd just like to plug myself. Sounds odd. But uh, just, yeah, please follow me on social media at teen on Twitter and um... I've got some things that are coming out in the future, but they're too far in the future for anyone to remember. So just follow me on that, and then I'll I'll remind you closer to the time.
2: Find me online at at Alliterative on Twitter and Instagram. That's A-L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I-V-E. Or support me on my Patreon, patreon.com slash Alice Fraser. It's a one-stop shop for all of my stand-up specials, podcasts and blogs, as well as my weekly Tea with Alice salons, where we all just get in a Zoom room and have a chat. I will be doing shows in adelaide perth sydney and melbourne this year and then in edinburgh so look for tickets for that this is a bugle podcast and alice fraser production your editor is ped hunter your executive producer is chris skinner i'll talk to you again next week
0: you can listen to other programs from the bugle including the bugle the last post tiny revolutions and the gargle wherever you find your podcasts